Our text this afternoon is Matthew 7, the verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. After the sermon, let's sing together hymn 79. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Sermon on the Mount, delivered by our Lord Jesus, is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The sermon is preceded by a, a very clear call by both John the Baptist and, and Jesus Christ, repent for the kingdom of of heaven is near. What our Lord Jesus Christ was communicating is that life in the kingdom of heaven is different than anything you ever experienced before. The kingdom of heaven will turn your world as you knew it upside down. And we see that throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Jesus Christ says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. He said, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. So don't do it. He says, you don't only love your neighbor, you love your enemies. When you pray to God, address him as father. That's revolutionary for the Jews at that time. He tells us not to worry, but to use our time and our energy to seek the kingdom of heaven and the righteousness of God. Sermon on the Mount is full of these beautiful, radical, holy change of life that all ends at our text. No more does Jesus Christ talk about what life in the kingdom of heaven looks like. He has now come to the end of his sermon. And from verse 13 on, we have the conclusion. And now Jesus says, make your choice. You have one of two possibilities, not three, not four, not five, one of two. Choose carefully, either in the kingdom or outside the kingdom. You notice that in the rest of the chapter, he talks, Jesus talks about two gates, two roads, two kinds of tree, two, two kinds of houses, one built on the rock and the other built on the sand. You've got one of two choices. And, and for many that makes this passage very unsettling. There's no room here for sitting on the fence. There's no wiggle room. There are no shades of gray. You're in or you're out. Now, this is not a new teaching. We see the same thing when Israel was about to enter the promised land, a land where they would be attracted to, to paganism, uh, to worshiping many gods and materialism. Then in one of his final sermons, Moses says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Two possibilities, life or death. Choose life. To show just how serious this is and, and how scary this is, a few verses after our text in verses 21 and 22 
we read there that many will say on the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, if I hear of people who preach the good news of Jesus Christ, who have the power to drive out demons and to do miracles, I would say they are in the kingdom, right? Jesus says, no way. I don't know them. Away from me, you evildoers. That's pretty scary. and makes us wonder, well, where do we stand? And you know, it's typically not good business to preach depressing sermons. A bit of a no-no to let the congregation go out feeling worried and depressed. But I do promise you that when our Lord Jesus Christ speaks here together with Moses, choose life or death. Ultimately, what that comes down to is not that you have to do something for your salvation, but that you realize you live by grace alone, that you know me as your Savior. We'll look at that this afternoon under this theme. Jesus Christ presents us with a clear choice of two roads where only one leads to life. And we'll see the distinction between what is narrow and wide and the clear call to spacious narrowness. I'll explain when we, when we get there. Now, as we come to our text, we want to keep two things in mind. One, uh, Jesus has come to the conclusion of his Sermon on the Mount, and he's calling people to a very clear choice to respond carefully to what he has said. And he says, enter through the narrow gate. What narrow gate? I've never seen a narrow gate. What is Jesus talking about? Well, he right away goes on to explain, and he says, well, there's two gates and there's two paths or two roads. One is narrow, one is wide. The wide leads to destruction. The narrow leads to life. We understand what that means. If the narrow leads to life, that means eternal life. The wide and the easy to destruction, that is hell. So you want to make sure you take the narrow gate and the narrow road, because that will lead to the new heaven and the new earth. Now, no doubt we're anticipating a more clear, uh, you know, uh, determining of what this wide and narrow road is. But you might just say to yourself, well, there's, there's one thing I figured out pretty quick. The wide and easy road is unbelievers. The narrow road is believers. On the wide and easy road are the pagans. On the narrow road are Christians. And you would be wrong. And that could be the most fatal mistake you make in your life. On that wide and easy road leading to destruction, there are Christians. People who sit in church every Sunday. There are deacons and elders, maybe even some ministers on that wide and easy road. There are people who can trace their, their Christianity back to their parents and grandparents, great-grandparents. But they are on that wide and easy road that leads to destruction. And we know that's true because Jesus Christ said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Jesus Christ says in our text, for the wide is the gate and easy is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. When it says there, easy, easy is the road, in, in Greek, you, Jesus used the word platus, and you hear the word plateau. I know the ESV translates it as easy and it makes sense, but literally it's a wide road. It's so wide, everybody can get on it. There's room for everybody. And there's room for any kind of belief and any kind of a lifestyle. You can be a Jew, a Hindu, a Muslim, a Christian, an atheist. You can be on this road. And you can think what you want and you can act in whatever way you want because nobody's going to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. I think we all recognize that in our society and in our culture, by and large, Canada, North America is traveling the wide and the easy road. They do not want the Bible to tell them what to think and how to live their life. If I want to kill an unborn baby, I'll do it. If I want to kill an aging grandparent because he's sick and in pain, I will do it. If I want to commit any kind of sexual immorality on the wide and easy road, that's fair game. I can do it. Nobody can stop me. No one will tell me that I am wrong. And on that road are also those who call themselves Christians who are quite comfortable with adapting to the lifestyle of the world. Now, as people travel this wide and easy road, once in a while they catch a glimpse of a narrow little door. And through that narrow door, they see a, a very narrow road. And through that doorway, they see that people are they're crying. They're emptying their pockets and their backpack, their heart and their soul. They're dumping things and they're crying. And people recoil in horror. Says, what, what an awful place, that, that narrow gate and that narrow road. All these weeping people who have to give up all kinds of stuff. And they recoil and they draw back. The easy, wide road is so much more pleasant. You can think what you want. You can do what you want. Also some Christians, also some church members. They don't want to stick to all the rigid requirements of God's word, of the Ten Commandments, or what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. They want the freedom to think the way that they want to think. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, there are many examples in the lifetime of our Lord Jesus Christ where he shows this paradox, this contradiction uh, between what people say and what they do. They say we're Christians, we're believers, but they're actually not. Jesus had the ability to put his finger on the sore point of what was really going on in a person's heart. You think of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, who came to Jesus and said, I kept all your commandments. Oh, his mama must have been so proud. What more do I need to do, Jesus? And Jesus said to him, but your heart is not right. You love money more than you love me. And that rich young ruler turned away, and Jesus watched him go. And you know where he went? He took that wide and that easy road where he could think the way he wanted to think. 
Another example is a Samaritan woman in John 4. Boy, did she know her theology, and she wanted to debate it with Jesus, and she's debating away. She's like the, the woman in a woman's society who always knows her stuff and always knows the answers. And then Jesus says, stop it. You're living in adultery. Nice theology, but where's your heart? Where's your life? And one third final example would be from Luke 14, when people want to be Jesus' disciples, and he says, you, you have to, to, to reckon with the cost. He says, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. And so you see what Jesus Christ is saying. What Jesus Christ is saying is you're, you, you may be living in a fairly moral lifestyle. You may know your theology inside out. You may want to be committed and make profession of faith. And you still might be on the easy, wide road that leads to destruction. Now, that's scary. How do I know that I'm not on that wide, easy road that leads to destruction? How can I be on that narrow road that leads to life? Now, Jesus says, but narrow is the gate and hard the way that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, Earlier, I mentioned we have to watch out that we don't make a, that easy distinction that, you know, on the wide road are pagans and on the narrow road are church people. There are church people on that wide and easy road. But the second problem, second mistake we can make is that we say, I think I understand what Jesus is asking for. To get off the wide road and be on that narrow road what I have to do is try a little bit harder. I have to be a little bit more obedient. I have to keep God's commandments to go through the door and be on the narrow way that leads to right life everlasting. Now, if we say that to Jesus Christ, I think what you're asking for is a little more morality, a little bit more obedience, then Jesus will say, have you understood nothing at all? That's what the rich young ruler thought. He says, look, I keep all the commandments. And Jesus says, sorry, that's not good enough. That doesn't even come close. Now, this is a bit confusing for everyone who has worked through the Sermon on the Mount because the Sermon on the Mount is all about obedience. To understand God's commandments in its deepest, richest, most meaningful way. So, you know, isn't that what Jesus wants? Obedience? Plus, we sang Psalm 1 together. In Psalm 1, which is like, you know, the, the, the starting psalm for the whole Psalter. It says, blessed is the man who doesn't hang around with sinners, but lives in righteousness. Well, psalm 1 is beautiful. But I got an enormous problem with Psalm 1. And my problem with Psalm 1 is I am not that guy. I cannot say. I stay away from sinners. I cannot say I'm a righteous man because I'm a sinner. And that's why Psalm 2 is connected to Psalm 1 because there we read about God's own son who crushes the enemy for us. Kiss the son. It's the only way to live. And that's the message that our Lord Jesus Christ is communicating in our text too. The only way through the narrow gate on the narrow road that leads to life everlasting 
is that you believe in me as your Lord and your Savior. You might say, how do you get that just out of these two verses? Well, brothers and sisters, this is the conclusion to the entire Sermon on the Mount. And how did the Sermon on the Mount start? It starts with the Beatitudes. Do you know the first Beatitude? Beatitude number one, the opening of the Sermon on the Mount, is blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. The poor in spirit. What does that mean? It sounds kind of weird. You know, like blessed are those who are poor in the Holy Spirit. That's not what Jesus means. Poor in spirit means that I stand before God. And from my heart, from my soul, from my spirit, I say, Lord, I am poor. I am unworthy. I've got nothing to offer you. I'm a sinner. That's the attitude of the tax collector in the parable in Luke 18, who went to the temple, but he didn't dare enter it. He didn't dare look up into heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, he went home justified. The poor in spirit are those who come to God with empty hands and say, Lord, I have nothing to offer you. I can only ever, ever have anything to do with you if you are gracious to me. And that's why those who are, are looking down the, through that narrow gate on that narrow road and they see people crying, they're crying because of their sins. And if they see them dumping everything from their lives, it's because they want to break with their sinful past. They're crying because they have hurt God. They have lived in unholiness. They want something new. They want something better. And how in the world is that possible? Well, right after Jesus delivers the Beatitudes, in Matthew 5, verse 20, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now, there's, there's a lot in that sentence. But for our purposes this afternoon, what we will focus on is that when Jesus Christ says, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets, it's the entire Old Testament. Then he says, whatever the Old Testament demanded and whatever the Old Testament promised is fulfilled in me. I kept all the commandments in your place. And I'm going to the cross to pay for all your sins by my horrible death on the cross. The message of the Sermon on the Mount is that those who come to God with tears in their eyes and tears in their heart and say, Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. They will hear the good news that Jesus Christ removes sins. Jesus Christ causes us to be born again, that we may live in the, in the kingdom of heaven. The gate is narrow, but the door is Jesus Christ. He said in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is so different from the rich young ruler who said to Jesus, I did this and I did that and what more do I have to do? It's so much different than those who say in Matthew 7 verse 22, Lord, Lord, did we not 
preach your name? Did we not cast out demons and, and, and so on? And Jesus says, you know, all this I, we business, you're, you're coming to the kingdom of heaven with your own door. You're taking your own door and try to put it on the kingdom and enter it through good works and good deeds. Well, that will not work. You can never ever do enough to enter the kingdom of God through good works because we are all sinners and we're inclined by nature to hate God and our neighbor. Jesus Christ is the door. He's the one who washes us clean as we enter. He's the one who causes us to be born again, to live to the praise and the glory of God. And even if we think of the narrowness of the door, in that image that captures something of our Lord Jesus Christ who went into the most narrow place of all to be our Lord and our Savior. Although he was without sin, he was made to be sin for us. And the wrath and the justice of God came upon him when he hung on the cross and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was like two massive stone walls came crushing down on him and squeezed the life out of him that he would be our Lord and our Savior. It's to believe in Jesus. And when we talk about the choice, in or out, that choice, it's not, it's not a good deed. It's the act of faith. It is that instrument by which we say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. I believe that you died for me. And that's when life also dramatically changes. And that's, that's also a major point of the Sermon on the Mount. I can't get into the kingdom of heaven because of my good works. But when Jesus Christ brings me in, then I leave the sin and the evil behind. Have I for too long in my life enjoyed gossiping, bearing grudges, saying hurtful things to people and about other people that can only change in our Lord Jesus Christ? when we experience that his blood washes us as clean as the, the whitest wool, the whitest snow, and his spirit causes us to be born again. I can't hate my neighbor. I can't look at a woman with lust in my heart. I can't even hate my enemy, but I love my enemy. That, that's, that becomes possible in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's striking that Jesus Christ says only a few will find this narrow gate and road. And lots of people are on the wide road, easy road. Uh, some people think, does that mean there's only going to be a very few people in the new heaven and new earth? Now, we, we know that can't be true. Because the book of Revelation speaks about a multitude that no man can number that will stand on Zion and give praise to God. So what does this mean? A lot of commentators, they throw their hands up in the air and say, look, we just, we just don't know. And I, I don't pretend to be a lot smarter, uh, not even a little bit smarter than most uh, commentators. But I really think that what we have here is the style of Jesus' teaching. Whether it's parables or Sermon on the Mount, when he says only a few can find it, the point is not only a couple of people are going to enter, but it's that wide and easy road. It's so easy. Everybody can get on there. It doesn't matter what you think or how you live your life. You're on the easy road. But it's a very narrow and very fine point to enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
there's only one little way, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. Only those who embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior will find the gate, will find the way into the kingdom of heaven. But it's so beautiful, as we said a moment ago, that Jesus has this uncanny ability to put his finger on the sore spot in every person's life. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is this big bully. You know, some guy comes to him and says, oh, oh Lord, I keep your commandments. <laughs> Pushes him away. Samaritan woman <laughs> puts her down. Oh, he does that to people who are proud and cocky and full of their own so-called righteousness. But as he said, I will never crush a bruised reed or quench a smoldering wick. As he said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He's the good shepherd. He has a heart for the poor in spirit, for the brokenhearted, for those who mourn, for those who suffer. He says, come to me. The door's wide open. It's a well-meant gospel offer to the good news of Jesus Christ. Whoever hears it, whoever wants it, whoever wants Jesus as Lord and Savior will get it. Jesus offers that freely and genuinely. And that brings us to our final, final point, that spacious narrowness. You know, uh, Jesus Christ opened this text by saying, enter through the narrow gate. Luke 13, he puts it even more, strong, strong, more strongly, make every effort to enter through the narrow gate. Make every effort. I hope that I've made very clear in the sermon that when we talk about entering and making every effort to enter, that's not through what you do. It's through that clear act of faith of taking hold of Jesus Christ. And that's what, that's what Moses was getting at too when the people stood at the entrance to the promised land a land that offered many gods, many worldly pleasures, and materialism. I put before you life and death. Choose life. Choose God. Choose your Savior, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, when we embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and we squeeze through that narrow gate, and we find ourselves on a narrow road, we will actually see that it is very spacious. It is a spacious narrowness. The wide and easy road promises, you know, opportunity for whatever you want to believe, however you want to live on the lifestyle of our world. You can have the most obscene beliefs, most demoralizing beliefs. You're welcome to have that on the wide and easy road. But it's actually very constricting. It, very, it narrows down, not just because one day it will bring them all into the lake of fire, which is hell, but, but living in sin is destructive. And we'll look at our world. You know, when people get married, they know. They know that they got like a 50% chance of getting divorced. It's a lifestyle of the world. Whereas in the kingdom of heaven, when two people who have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and who love him dearly, when they get married, they know they are together until death do them part. 
in the kingdom of heaven, we learn to love our God, to love our neighbor, to live in peace with people, to strive for peace, to, to do good even to those who have hurt us. It's an amazing, beautiful, wide-open, spacious, breathtaking way of living that the world can never understand. Okay, enough. We come to our conclusion. And we come to the nub of our sermon. We have heard that there is a wide and easy road and there is a narrow road. Our Lord Jesus Christ says to us, what road are you on? What is the state of your heart? And don't tell me, well, I belong to the church, or I made profession of faith. Well and good. That, that's great that, that you have that. But I am the door. I am the Savior. Am I your Savior? I'm the way and the truth and the life. Open the door. Know and experience that I'm your Savior and know the joy of your sins being washed away and you're born again to live to the praise and the glory of God. Amen.